Matt Schaff and Jared Small of DraftSharks.com here to run through our favorite best ball picks by position so far. If you're new to best ball drafting or even just looking to sharpen your performance, you should check out our best ball strategies in the brand new DS University section of DraftSharks.com. Jared, we show, we give away a lot of the ways that we play in these contests. There's There are videos to try to help explain everything, but really it kind of is this overview of our best strategies through our play so far that help us succeed in this format. Yeah, we've been doing this for a while, right? Like going back to the uh, MFL 10 days, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe 10 years ago now. So we, ha- we have experience. Yeah, it's just a type of format where you need to alter your strategy, right? If you're drafting best ball teams like you're drafting any other team, I don't, I don't think you're going to you know, come out a winning player. So definitely check out that article. It's a good, good starting point. And even if you're not a best ball drafter, I think that our picks today will certainly be relevant for just redraft in general. Whatever your redraft format is, these picks are probably, I know my picks, like I haven't asked Jared to reveal his, so I don't know exactly who he's going to say, but I do know that these guys are going to be centered on value and upside because those are just pillars of the draft shark strategy, really, no matter what format you're playing in. So even if you are like, eh, I don't really like best ball, you're still going to want to hear these players that we're going to run through. Like I said, we're going by position. We're going to start with quarterback. Jared, why don't you hit me with your favorite quarterback pick in best ball draft so far? It's Justin Herbert for me, who is my most owned quarterback um, through like 20 or so best ball draft so far. Um, you know, just, just overarching. I do want an elite quarterback this season when possible. And to me, there's, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe nine of those if you want to stretch it. So like not every team in a 12 team league is going to get one to me. Herbert is just the best value right now among those elite quarterbacks. You look at underdog ADP, he's quarterback seven in the middle of round five. Um, Herbert's coming off like a relatively disappointing fantasy season, finished quarterback eight in fantasy points. A lot went wrong though. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen missed a combined 11 games. Herbert threw 13 fewer touchdown passes last year than he did in 2021. The touchdown rate was way down, just a 3.6% touchdown rate for Herbert. Last season, that was 21st among 33 qualifiers. Just to put that in perspective, the league-wide average touchdown rate for, for you know uh, quarterbacks is around 4.5%. So Herbert was well below that. Um, the rushing production was also down for Herbert. I think that goes over like 16.8 rushing yards per game over his first two seasons, just 8.6 yards per game last year. He did have that rib cartilage injury pretty early on that he played through. I think that likely limited his rushing, probably impacted his passing too for at least part of the season. So get a healthier season from Herbert in 2023, hopefully a healthier season from his top two wide receivers. The Chargers, of course, added Quentin Johnston in the first round of the NFL draft. So it's probably Herbert's most talented group of pass pass catchers since he entered the league. Offensive coordinator change too with Kellen Moore coming in now. The Chargers will be a pass-heavy offense under Kellen Moore. They were a pass-heavy offense under Joe Lombardi as well, so I don't expect a big change there. But I do just think it's going to be a more efficient passing game, a more aggressive downfield passing game. I do think the OC change is going to help Herbert, too. It's just a lot working in, in his favor for a guy who's you know still in his prime, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. So I think you know Herbert has a chance to score as a top four, top five quarterback, and I do like the value he's coming at in fantasy drafts right now. I agree. Is easily my favorite of that top tier. You could call it two tiers, whatever that top area of quarterback where it's guys with top three upside. Um, I'm excited about the player. I'm excited about the offense, like you said. And just to even add further context to that touchdown rate from last year, if we take 
everything that Justin Herbert did last year and just apply his touchdown rate from his rookie year, 5.2%, he's got 11 more touchdowns on his total with, you know, nothing else changing. And his touchdown rate was even higher than that in year two. I certainly think he has upside into the six plus range of touchdown rates. So I think that's really the area where there's explosive potential uh, to his scoring. He runs enough to add on that end. And like you said, the wide receivers have only gotten better with Quentin Johnston arriving, whatever you think of Quentin Johnston, he's their third wide receiver at the highest. So, you know, he can only add there. I love Justin Herbert. I went to the other end for my favorite quarterback for this one though. And it's Kyler Murray. And, you know, even I, as I write it down, I am a little bit hesitant, but it's all about the upside in these tournaments. And most of the best ball drafting is tournaments at this point. If it's a single league, I would say feel free to leave Kyler Murray and take somebody else that's safer. But if it's a tournament, that's where we're shooting for Kyler Murray's upside. He's QB 22 in underdog ADP right now. He's three and a half rounds behind Jared Goff. He's two rounds behind Derek Carr. He's more than a round behind Jordan Love. Now, I know... If Kyler Murray takes the field when he takes the field, because I don't think it's an if that he's going to take the field at some point this year. I know he's coming off an ACL tear. I know he's not likely to be able to run like he has the past few years. But are you telling me that Kyler Murray off of an ACL tear is not at least around Jared Goff in terms of what he can give us in fantasy upside? And then what if that knee is healthier than we think it is? Or what if Kyler Murray is just a better passer when he has to rely more on that and doesn't have the option of scrambling as much? Either way, there's very little downside from QB 22 other than if he just doesn't play. And I think that that aspect is being overblown. We'll see about that as we get closer to the season. But if he starts the season on time, he's going to be a smash from QB 22. I don't understand why people are concerned about Kyler not playing at all this season I, I get if you think he's going to miss the first half of the year I think is even feasible but I don't understand why he wouldn't play that's just you know kind of the normal ACL time timeline would put him back by at least the midway point so I, I'm with you he's I think there are a lot of reasons to worry about Kyler with the, the knee being the the foremost and then you know losing DeAndre Hopkins doesn't help either but at quarterback 22 and like you said we want these guys to be peaking late in the season for these best ball tournaments. And if Kyler is going to give us some, you know, quarterback one, even top five level weeks, those are going to come down the stretch. So I think he's an excellent quarterback two, or even quarterback three in these best ball tournaments. Yeah, definitely. Especially easy to take as a QB three, if you're in a tournament that goes beyond 18 roster spots. So we want to know who your favorite quarterback is as well. If you've got a favorite quarterback, if you think Kyler Murray is a stupid pick still, no matter what I say about him, let us know in the comments on YouTube who you like, who you don't like that we mentioned. We're going to move on to running back now, though. And Jared, why don't you tell me who's your favorite guy? So Cam Akers is up to running back 22 in ADP no and underdog. Way. So I'm going to, I'm going to spare you another, uh, you know, Cam Akers rant here. <laughs> oh, head getting, fake. I like it. I think he's getting, I think he's getting close, close to fairly priced. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it's Joe Mixon for me. Um, RB 16 in the middle of round five on underdog. I get there's some suspension risk. And if, you know, that's the reason you're avoiding them, him. Okay. Like, you know, I, I, we're just guessing if that suspension is going to come and how long it would be, even if it's like a two to four game suspension, I'd be in on Joe Mixon in round five. Cause this guy was RB six in PPR points per game last year, eighth and half PPR points per game. And that was despite getting unlucky in the touchdown department. Mixon scored seven rushing touchdowns last season. He had 10.1 expected rushing touchdowns. That was second to only Jamal Williams among running backs. Mixon was second league wide and carries inside the 10 yard line, fifth league wide and carries inside the five yard line 
that's what you get when you're the goal line back on an elite offense, which Joe Mixon is going to be again this season. So a double digit touchdown season is well within his reach. The receiving production was also career highs across the board for Mixon last season, 5.4 targets per game, 4.3 catches per game, 31 and a half receiving yards per game. And that was with Samaj P Ryan around. And he is now in Denver. Obviously it's a fifth round rookie, Chase Brown, Travion Williams, Chris Evans. Those are the guys behind Joe Mixon. Like he sure seems set up for another big, big workload in a top five offense available in round five. I don't really get it. I'm taking all the Joe Mixon while his price is in that territory. And it sounded like the Bengals wanted Samaj Pirine back for similar money to what he got in Denver. And he went there because he liked the available work more. So it sounds like they're planning to give more to Mixon. I'm not worried about the suspension. I mean, I, we'll see what happens, but I, it doesn't seem from my vantage point like there's enough there for the NFL to take action. NFL tends to be conservative on that front. I think my biggest concern right now is that apparently that contract is not totally worked out. There's still a chance that he says, no, I'm not taking a pay cut and the Bengals dump him. Jared, I'm with you on this angle, though, that I'm not avoiding Mixon for that risk because it sure looks like the Bengals are setting themselves up to take Mixon into the season. I know there are some insurance options on the market, especially as long as Dalvin Cook's available. It's also, from Mixon's standpoint, like if you say no to the pay cut, what are you expecting to get on the open market? It's not like yeah. running backs are breaking the bank out there. Even the franchise tag guys are, are having trouble getting their demands met. So it, I'm guessing that this situation gets worked out with Mixon spending this year in Cincinnati. Yeah. And if he gets cut, he signs somewhere, right. And maybe he's a seventh or eighth round pick. So yeah. Okay. You're, you're, you know, losing a few rounds of value. I'll take on that risk. Cause I still think it's unlikely he's cut. I mean, this is a Bengals team, obviously ready to win now unless they like Delvin Cook enough or, you know, someone like Leonard Fournette or Zeke Elliott. But to me, it seems like a win now team, it makes sense for the Bengals to hang on to Mixon for at least this season. Yeah, he looks similar to Josh Jacobs to me in terms of value, both floor and upside, maybe slightly lower floor, but also in a much better offense than Josh Jacobs is in. So I agree. He should be like if there were no issues, I think he would be a third rounder. So I yep. agree with him being a value where he's going right now. My running back, kind of like quarterback, is way at the other end, and it's Jeff Wilson Jr. And I've been talking about him all offseason. He's RB 57, though, on underdog. It has not changed at all. He's going in a range where the other running backs are straight yeah. handcuffs. He's around behind Ezekiel Elliott, who doesn't have a football team. He is behind Chuba Hubbard and Kenneth Gainwell, who aren't as good. Jeff Wilson is not a handcuff. He is a guy in a committee that is going to get work right away. He has the potential to score for your best ball team in week one, it's a situation that's likely to be frustrating in terms of setting weekly lineups in fantasy, but that's what we love about best ball, Jared. We pick good players and then we let them decide when they're going to score the points and help our lineup. And Jeff Wilson is just free right now. The Dolphins last year after signing Chase Edmonds and with Raheem Mostert active, they traded a fifth round pick for Jeff Wilson. I know that's not big, but that's trading a draft pick for a veteran running back. Then they re-signed him and Raheem Mostert this offseason. They re-signed Wilson for slightly more than Mostert. They split fairly evenly. It's tough to gauge exactly what Miami would have done when they were both healthy because there was not a whole lot of time last year when both players were healthy. But at the very least, it looks like an even split between Mostert and Wilson. There should be plenty of work. Devon A-Chain certainly is bound to take more this year. But... He's small. He's not going to be a workhorse for anybody. So there's plenty of work available. I think there are going to be plenty of points in that backfield and that offense in general. I'm trying to tell myself to take less Jeff Wilson, Jared, just in case he gets hurt 
in the summer and leaves a hole in my rosters, but I can only do so much. Yeah, these are the types of ambiguous backfields we want to invest in, especially late in drafts, right? Like we don't know exactly how the touches are going to be divvied, but we do know it's going to be a good offense. It was a pretty productive running game last year, which, you know, you look at Mike McDaniel coming from the Kyle Shanahan offense and those running games, even with, you know, sometimes bad offensive lines or, you know, not the greatest running backs have just been productive. So I do think it's a backfield that's going to produce fantasy points. We'll see how the touches are divvied again, but Wilson, he's going 20 picks behind Raheem Mostert on underdog. I, I, do, I don't understand that. Wilson had more carries in those four shared games with Raheem Mostert last season. So I think at worst, you're looking at an even split between those two guys. And then if, if Mostert or Devin A-Chain go down, then Wilson's like someone who, you know, could be producing as a top 30 running back week in, week out. So there's just a ton of upside from his current cost, I think. Yeah, you can either in that range take a handcuff who needs somebody else to get hurt to be relevant, or you can take a guy who's going to help you anyway and also has that handcuff upside if a teammate goes down. And I mean, even if you know nothing else, if the fact that the team paid Jeff Wilson a little bit more money than Raheem Mostert in the same offseason should say, I'm going to go ahead and draft Jeff Wilson ahead of Raheem Mostert. That's just logic. It's shocking to me, Jared, how many people don't apply logic to evaluating <laughs> fantasy stuff on the screen right now if you're watching on youtube we've got our ranking of jeff wilson jr he's 41st that's full ppr you know underdogs half ppr not a whole lot of difference if you switch to that i think whatever format you should be mixing in uh, some jeff wilson jr at this point and if you're brand new on uh underdog if you haven't played there before you can use promo code draft sharks and get your initial deposit doubled up to 100 bucks so you can get some free money to play with in these tournaments that we're talking about these picks from Jared, wide receiver, who is your favorite guy so far? All right, let's have the Tyler Lockett discussion because he is my favorite pick right now in underdog drafts. Um, he's 33rd among wide receivers in underdog ADP. He, he sits uh, much closer to 20th in our rankings. Lockett's finishes in half PR, PPR points per game the last five seasons, 23rd, 24th, 12th, 17th, and 16th. So he's, you know, 15 to to. 10 to 15 spots lower in ADP than where he's, you know, finished over the last five seasons. The arguments against him, Lockett turns 31 in September. Yeah, he's, you know, probably past his peak. We have aging curves, though, built into our dynasty rankings. We, we dug into this stuff and kind of looked at, you know, when these players peak and, and to what level they start to decline. If you look at wide receivers of Lockett's quality at age 31, they generally produce 82% of their peak production 82% of Lockett's peak would be 13 and a half PPR points per game that would have been 22nd among wide receivers last year so I'm not worried about Lockett's age yet you know maybe next year or the year following it might be time to worry but not yet Jackson Smith and Jigba obviously the other argument against Tyler Lockett I love JSN I think he's going to be an excellent player he's gonna take some target share from Tyler Lockett I think but again that's more than built into Lockett's ADP at this point. I think an interesting thing, too, to look at when you look at the Seahawks of, of last season, 135 total targets for their tight ends. That was a 23.5% target share to the tight ends, well above league average, because they didn't have a third wide receiver. So, yes, I think JSN is going to take what you know the non-Metcalf and Lockett receivers got last year. He's going to take most of those targets. I think he's going to take a lot of targets from the tight ends, too, more so than from Lockett and Metcalf because from the Seahawks perspective, why would you want to take targets away from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? You know, they're still two of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Last point for Lockett. There's really plenty of passing production to go around here in Seattle. Last year, Seahawks ranked 12th in pass rate, eighth in pass rate over expected 
15th in pass attempts, 11th in pass yards, fourth in passing touchdowns. This is not like a you know bottom 10 passing offense where we have to worry if there's enough production to go around. And I think, you know, Seattle's passing game could be even more voluminous and productive this season after adding JSN. So Lockett's ADP still does not make any sense to me. I think he should be going at least 10 spots higher among wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, it, the ADP is finally correcting in terms of getting Jackson Smith and Jigba closer and even behind Tyler Lockett in plenty of places yeah. right now. My problem with the JSN ADP has been that People are saying you just bet on talent and it's going to win out. But betting on Jackson Smith's and Jigba's talent right now, you know, just winning out for the season is also betting against Tyler Lockett's talent. And just there's no reason to do that. He hasn't shown a fall off there. He has given Seattle reason to keep giving him targets. We've also seen the Seahawks under Pete Carroll make iffy decisions like Noah Fant is at tight end and they marginalized his playing time last year because they have Will Disley and Colby Parkinson. They had Rashad Penny very limited on touches both by injury and also by Chris Carson in recent seasons. Why? Because Chris Carson played really well. Their decisions aren't necessarily going to be this guy's really good. So we're going to find the touches. There are lots of things at play and I'm surprised by how many people just assume that Jackson Smith and Jigba is so good that Tyler Lockett's going to get marginalized. So I agree. Tyler Lockett's a very good value. I hope the ADPs keep going because that way I can take some Jackson Smith and Jigba later in drafts. I think right around, we have him ranked, I believe, in, at wide receiver 40 in PPR. I'll take some shots around there for sure. I'm not even opposed to, to JSN at wide receiver 32 on underdog. It is like six or seven spots higher than we have him ranked. But if you look at JSN's ceiling projection, you're going to find him higher. So to me, JSN is fine. It's just Lockett's, you know, too low in ADP. And I'll say if Lockett gets to 25 and you think that all three of those wide receivers are appropriate, then you should absolutely be grabbing uh, Geno Smith. Because if they have three top 36 wideouts by the end of the season, then Geno Smith's going to have a pretty good year fantasy-wise. My wideout is in the same range. It is Traylon Burks. He is tied for my highest-owned wide receiver on drafters so far. That's a full PPR format. He's by far the earliest in ADP among that group. Traylon Burks was a terrific prospect a year ago, had a target hogging big production career at Arkansas. It sounds like he's in better shape this spring than he was last spring. That was a big, you know, warning sign on him heading into the year and seemed like it kind of derailed him from the start. Injuries got in the way once he got into the season as well. And, you know, then he was just in a Titans offense that struggled in general. Like I said, sounds like he's in better shape this time around. We'll watch to make sure that that's the case in training camp. It also sounds like he's been operating like their top target in workouts. He is well positioned to not only lead targets, but dominate target share there. And I think that is where you can overcome what's not a great situation for passing upside. If he can get 30% of Tennessee's targets, which is attainable, that can overcome a team that's, you know, bottom six in total pass attempts. And we've already seen the guy be productive in college at a high level. Finally, Traylon Burks is going low in wide receiver three territory. So it's a modest bet in terms of risk. Even if he doesn't hit that ceiling, get the target share I'm looking for, even if he's not as efficient as I'm hoping, if he's a low level wide receiver three, I'm not losing by taking him in that range. So I think that there's really not much reason to not like Traylon Burks right now. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not more buzz on him and that he's not going higher just after we made it through the entire offseason and the Titans didn't have any target competition. And Traylon Burks, I mean, flat, flashback 12 months ago, a lot of people liked him over Chris Olave. Some people liked him over Garrett Wilson and Drake London. Like he was a high level prospect and he it was just a rough rookie season. Even if you look at 
his yards per route run last year, 1.75. That kind of pales in comparison to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Drake London, who just had unbelievable rookie seasons. Go back to 2021, though. So 1.75 yards per route run for Traylon Burks last year. In 2021, rookie Jalen Waddell, 1.75 yards per route run. Amon Ross St. Brown as a rookie, 1.74 yards per route run. Devonta Smith as a rookie in 2021, 1.73 yards per route run. These are, you know, high level wide receivers that we're all excited about. Traylon Burks' rookie season was really better than I think he's been given credit for. I say the way that he's being valued right now in fantasy not only makes me interested for best ball, for redraft in general, I think you should also look into Traylon Burks in dynasty leagues. You can see our trade value chart up on the screen right now. That can help you value the players and the draft picks in your fantasy league. We've got it by format and it's free to look at right now. So go check out the dynasty trade value chart and figure out how and who to trade in your league. Jared, let's move on to the final position, tight end. Who you got? David Njoku is my favorite pick at tight end right now. Um, I'm just in on the Browns passing game. I, re- I almost went to Sean Watson as my favorite quarterback pick. He's you know right there behind uh, Justin Herbert for me. Um, but I you know, definitely wanted to get a Brown in here. So Njoku had an excellent 2020, 2022 season that was kind of derailed a bit by injuries. He missed three games and most of a fourth last year. But if you look at Njoku's 13 healthy games, 18.4% target share, a really strong number for a tight end, 8.6 half PPR points per game. That was eighth best among tight ends on the season. And that was on a Browns offense that ranked 22nd in passing. You know, Jacoby Brissett was okay for the first two thirds of the year. Deshaun Watson obviously struggled when he came in for the, you know, the final uh, six games or whatever it was. I I think this passing game is going to take a big leap in 2023. I'm counting on a bounce back season from Deshaun Watson, who was truly an elite quarterback before all the off-field stuff hit and before he, you know, basically sat out two two full seasons. Um, David Njoku, freak athlete, still only 26 years old. He entered the league super young. He got that four-year, $55 million contract extension last offseason. So the Browns made a big investment in him. That makes him a safe bet to continue to play a big role in this passing game. And then just look at the ADP. So if you look at the ADP and then our half PPR rankings, David Njoku is really for us in the same tier as Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. Njoku is going 40 picks later than Kittle on underdog. He's going 30 picks after Dallas Goddard, 20 after Darren Waller. So I'm fine if you like those guys over David Njoku. But just you know, price considered, I think Joku is easily the best value in that tier of tight ends. And I would say, personally, Darren Waller is the only one that I'm clearly taking ahead of the rest of those guys because I think he has the most target upside. And looking specifically at full PPR, I think David Njoku belongs in that range. And I'm really mostly just happy that you didn't say Chigakonkwo for this one. <laughs> You're welcome. My tight end is Hayden Hurst, and I can hear people snoring, and I guess if it makes people fall asleep, that makes him a sleeper. So I think if your argument against a player, your primary argument is that he's boring, then you're probably doing it wrong. Three-year deal, $7 million a year for Hayden Hurst with the Panthers. He already has a pair of top 18 PPR finishes and points per game behind him, one with the Bengals last year, one with the Falcons in 2020. This year, Hurst has an easier path to become one of his team's top two in targets with these Panthers. He's going tight end 25 on underdog, 27 on FFPC, 26 on drafters. So even if we take the exact same player from last year and put him on a team that does not have Jamar Chase and T Higgins, how could you not think, oh, I'll mix in this guy some because he's obviously going to get some targets. And 
I could also take Bryce Young late and make that stack without investing much. Like Jared, this is to me is one of those. It doesn't make sense. Other than people hate to take boring players. I say, look for some boring players late in your draft that have an easy path to production. And that's a very easy way to find a sleeper. Hurst is going 50 picks after Cole Komet. Why? They're, 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 they're the same guy to me. Um, that is another case where I do think format matters, right? Like I think on drafters in full PPR, I think Hurst is a better pick than he is an underdog where it's half PPR. Also underdog, you have the, the playoff weeks where you're looking for that massive ceiling late in the season. So I do think, you know, that's the the full PPR and even the, the tight end premium FFPC. And again, if you look at the draft sharks rankings, you'll kind of see where Hurst moves depending on format. You are going to find him higher, but the 1.5 PPR than you are in half PPR because he has more of that volume. bet. so know, know your format and, you know, make sure your rankings match your format. It's important for, you know, someone especially like Hurst. And I would agree that the more points you get for reception, the more attractive he is. But who are you getting at tight end 25 or higher on underdog that has a higher weekly ceiling. I think people look at that and think, Oh, I'm going to take Jelani woods because he's faster. He's taller. He's got that two touchdown ups. Nobody down there is a good bet for two touchdowns. So is the better bet a guy who is in a bit of a committee at tight end as Jelani woods, just as an example. And I like Jelani woods, but I just use him as an example of somebody who generates some excitement down in that range. That guy or the guy who is the clear lead tight end for a team that's weak at wide receiver and going to get more yep. weekly targets. Yeah, I'm definitely not even anti Hayden Hurst on underdog. I mean, again, at tight end 25, you do have Trey McBride a couple spots beneath him. Noah Fance a couple spots beneath him. I think those guys are have similar upside. You know, McBride obviously much less proven than than Hayden Hurst, but um, yeah, I, I think I think Hurst is a fine pick. I was just saying, I think he's even a better value. In drafters, you know, full PPR in FFPC, where you're getting a point and a half per reception for tight ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was just making sure to argue with any <laughs> naysayers out there more than you on that front. So you can sharpen your drafting in best ball, any other format, by creating a draft war room on DraftSharks.com. Now you can customize player values and rankings to fit your specific format. Head to DraftSharks.com now, get it started. You can see it on the screen. You can learn more about it, or you can just jump right in if you're all ready to do so. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and get notified about new content daily. Whether you are on YouTube, listening to the audio podcast, we would love to have you subscribe, follow, leave us a rating, leave us a review, help us do our thing, and we'll keep trying to help you win. 